Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We will cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Julie Gunderson, at Julie underscore Gund on Twitter. We have multiple show hosts for this episode. Today, I'm also joined by Mandy Walls, L-N-X-C-H-K on Twitter. Quintessence Unks at Quintessence A-N-X on Twitter. And Scott McAllister at S-T McAllister on Twitter. Today, we thought we would do something that would make us all happy. We're going to wrap 2020. That's right. We are going to end this fabulous year, finally, with an episode of Page It to the Limit. Because as we all know, 2020, it's been a hard year. Everything we have done has changed the way we work, the way we communicate, the way we live our lives has changed. So we're hoping that with this episode, we will be able to put a nice little bow on this year and put it on a shelf and move on to 2021. We wanted to start by talking about some of the things we've learned this past year. Our team has gone through quite a few changes. We've seen some members of our team depart, and they have awesomely come back and done some Page It to the Limit episodes with us. So you can see the one with Matt Stratton or George Miranda at pageittothelimit.com. We've welcomed two new team members, Mandy and Quinn. Welcome to our team. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about what we've learned uh, over this past year because it's been so much fun. So, Scott, uh, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, 2020. Man, this has been quite the year. I have learned so much on my own personal levels. Just in my house alone, I, I already worked from home. I mean, all of us as a team were distributed, we work from home. But now I work at home with everybody at home. And I have four kids, three of which are in school. We're all on the same internet connection. That doesn't work very well. We've had to get multiple routers and all sorts of things. My daughter is in a class where on Zoom, one of the kids like last week was like, oh, hey, there's a bear on my back porch. Yeah, we live in the woods. So, you know, stuff that we just remember is just fascinating. What I love about the podcast this year, though, was the content that we had that was industry specific, but also timely. And I'll probably mention it a lot today in today's episode. But the one with George Miranda, talking about self care, that one has struck a chord with me. I've, I've honestly listened to that one multiple times, thought about it a lot. And I know it's resonated with a lot of people. And uh, I love the fact that we should honestly take care of ourselves. That's the number one. We need to make sure that we're good. And then the people around us that we care about, that they're good. And then as we go along in our lives and we're on these Zoom meetings and we see the various tiles or we see various assignments or tasks may or may not get done, we need to have grace for ourselves, for our coworkers, because we honestly don't know what's going on outside of that tile. And, uh, for a lot of us, there's a lot going on. My house has a lot of people in it. I haven't been alone more than five times since March. But then we have other people who haven't had people around them a lot of times since March. So that's a, a lot of things to talk about. But 
the thoughts that I've had for 2020, those are the ones that kind of come to mind first. What about you, Mandy? I mean, you are the newest person on the team, having been here since June 8th. Uh, so you're a seasoned veteran now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing has been crazy. I am definitely one of the people who hasn't had anybody around. I live by myself. I am like, we're recording this on my one year anniversary of moving into this house. Like, I am, you know, kind of new to my neighborhood. And then all of a sudden we were on lockdown. So I don't really know my neighbors that well. I don't know like anything else about like what the neighborhood usually does. Is there a block party in the summer? Evidently not because we're all locked down in COVID. So the whole conversation with like your community, your neighbors and like your real life people around you is completely different. And so I really depend on interacting with all my coworkers and like meeting new people online because we don't get to go to events anymore and meet up with all of our old friends at, at different companies and things like that. So the whole thing has been, oh, it's been incredibly weird and like changing jobs in the middle of a pandemic. It went okay. I don't know if I'd recommend it. I still haven't met everybody in person. Like I think the last time I saw Julie was in person was three or four, maybe five years ago, like, and everybody else, it's, I've either not met them in person, or it's been longer than that. So the the whole thing has been just absolutely completely bonkers. And watching folks like acclimate to being remote has been fun. You pop into a meeting with someone new, and they've got like a SpongeBob background in their zoom and like, I'm like, who are you? And what are we talking about with the SpongeBob? I'm not sure what's going on there. But yeah, it's been it's been an adventure to say the least. That's something I've loved about the fact that we've all kind of become more casual in the sense yes. of like we're actually getting to know people a little bit, I think. Right? We we see the SpongeBob backgrounds or we hear the dog or the cat or the kids or the whatever going on and before, at least for me, I used to be super high strung like you got to be quiet, I'm on a meeting. But now it's it's life. We all understand that we're all in our own situations. And so I, I, I've actually really liked that. That's one of the things I've liked. I love how many people actually make their beds. If they're joining a meeting from their bedroom and a desk is in their bedroom and they actually make the bed. Like, thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and yes, I actually do look for that too. <laughs> Quinn, how about you? You started on May the 4th, which I know is one of your favorite things to say. It is. What's it been like for you joining a new team? And Well, it's kind of similar to Mandy, right? Because I joined the month before. And so I also changed jobs in pandemic. And then for other reasons, I had the brilliant notion that I should buy a house and like move as well. And part of that wasn't entirely random. I mean, in normal days, DevRels travel a lot. And I was like, oh, hey, I'm grounded long enough <laughs> that I can make it through open houses that are actually closed, if you get what I mean to get this accomplished where I wouldn't have been able to before. There's a lot of isolation because also similar to Mandy, I'm flying solo right now. It's me and Kitty and my mantis shrimp. Google the mantis shrimp. Um, and we're just so hanging scary. out and having. They're not scary. They're amazing, <laughs> glorious creatures that can super cavitate water. Now they're definitely Googling the mantis shrimp. And, you know, on the positive side of quarantine, if you have like a corn bubble with your favorite friend, you can you can deepen some friendships, but on the downside, that corn bubble better be real, real tiny <laughs> because you don't, you don't want to risk any of that. 
and kind of like to the point of what people are talking about being in people's homes as someone who gets interested in the advocacy space. And I don't mean that in the technical sense. I mean that in the inclusion sense, um, you have people, you're in people's homes when they're maybe not ready for that situation, either because their living situation is crowded for roommates in a one bedroom in, you know, Manhattan or something, or if it's, you know, in, an insecure situation or whatever. So it's just really important to be kind and gracious to our to our, we were not working from home prior to this, comrades. Those are my primary thoughts of the dumpster fire that is 2020. I did, in order to commemorate 2020, yesterday buy an, an ornament to hang from my door wreath that is toilet paper and a mask. <laughs> well and a link to that will be in the show notes for anybody that needs that, because we all do. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, I have to say for me, 2020 has been interesting because on one hand, being grounded has been great because my son is a senior. Uh, He's just informed me he's going to go off to Alabama for college, which is very far away from Idaho where I live. So I'm really excited that I get to spend this time with him and be home. And on the other hand, I've been home and quarantined with a teenager. So there's that. But to go back to what Scott said, like, Scott... I know your kids. I mean, not just because before the whole quarantine happened, you were able to come through Boise and, and some of the members of the team were able to meet them, but because they've joined us on calls or popped in on the back or we made those delicious Brazilian treats with your entire family. And that's been amazing. And I feel like I make Joey say hi to all of you when he's whispering something at my door. And so we have gotten to know each other on, on such a different level. And I kind of hope that one thing that we take with us when we all go back to ideally a normal world is that we remember that we're all human and that we have families and that we have things. This has been a tough year for me health-wise. I've had a couple of things that have gone on and on top of the pandemic with that. And I count myself truly blessed because Pager Duty, my manager, my team, having people that you can rely on at your job that will help take care of you and not make you feel terrible for having life happen, I think has helped me get through this year. So it's been strange. I think it's been strange for everybody out there. And, you know, we've had the opportunity to talk with lots of customers, lots of customers this year. As a matter of fact, I think I've given more presentations at conferences this year and at customer conferences and and meetings with customers than ever before. Because one thing about being grounded, uh, I don't have to spend all that time in the airport to fly to Florida for a two-hour meeting and then fly home to Boise, which just to let everybody out there know, there are no direct flights. So it's a lot of time. But with that, I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of awesome things on, on page it to the limit. And I think all of our topics have kind of really varied this year. And Scott, you mentioned uh, the episode, the one with George Miranda, and that was a really meaningful episode. Do you want to chat about that? Yeah, I loved that episode, especially for the fact that George basically opened up and not that George was a particularly close person, but we're all, we all keep our, our lives you know, we have we have the boundaries we set and that we want to let people in and certain people in. But George felt that he needed to share a little bit more about his life. And he shared it on the podcast. I mean, we've all had some some struggles in 2020. I think George has had more than me. Absolutely. And he was a great example of how to handle it, but also that understanding 
that he can share his experience with others so that he can help the rest of us understand how we can handle the trials that happen. I mean, life continues to go on no matter if there's a pandemic, no matter if there's not, we still have life to chug through. So that's that's uh, an episode that's definitely stuck out to me. And then again, it, is, it kind of affected me. And I think it's, it's affected other people. Uh, there were other episodes that I, I also found enlightening. Uh, one of them was with Emil Stolarski and Jamie Wu uh, of Incident Labs. They came on and spoke about post-incident reviews, which on our team, we call them post-mortems, but on many other teams, you call them whatever you want, except for... Root cause analysis. There you go. Well done, Mandy. <laughs> so what I loved about theirs was how universal it was to review incidents. They were inspired by post-incident reviews. They created their own zine for it, uh, where they collected various post-incident reviews from various industries. And they were inspired from the climbing industry or for the climbing culture. They were actually inspired because the climbing in climbing they release, I forgot, what, and I'm, I'm going to struggle with the actual name of it, but they release a report of climbing accidents every year. If you can think of mountain climbing and think of an accident enough to write about it, what probably happened? Not very good things in that person's life. But the thing is, is they the people in the climbing community find that so valuable because now they understand, oh, in these circumstances, with these conditions and these tools, this person made this decision and this is what happened and it ended very poorly for them. Maybe even ultimately ended for them. And so by learning and seeing the learnings that happen with that, they took that and applied it to collecting, you know, post-incident reviews of folks in the software industry or the tech industry, because some of them are in like hardware and things like that. Other examples were like in space. We, I learned all about like, A, that Emil, Emil Stolarski is obsessed with space, but B, uh, that there were some crazy incidents that happened with various uh, space programs and why they do certain things nowadays because of the incidents that have happened with various launches and whatnot. I could go on and on about different episodes, but I, I don't want to take up the whole time. So what are some other episodes that stuck out to you folks? You know, to kind of, to go off of, of yours, we did something special this year where we did these 15 minute episodes with speakers that were speaking at PagerDuty Summit. And uh, one of mine was with Connie Lynn Villani, who's over at uh, Fastly. And she talked about approaching incident response compassionately. And I liked that because it kind of goes to the, the blamelessness that we talk about and how you learn from your incident response and how, again, it's not a root cause, but contributing factors. And that's something we love to drive home. Uh, here on our team, even though uh, not everybody in the industry accepts it, or sometimes you have to talk in terms that people understand, although I just can't handle saying root cause. It's it's tough. But she talked a lot about like the language that we use in incidents and how there are words that are, are trigger words for people and that make them feel blame. And I think that we've seen this now worldwide, especially in the United States, where people are starting to pay attention to their words a lot more because they really, really understand the weight that words carry. 
One of my other favorite episodes was with J. Paul Reed and Mandy. And Mandy, I'll let you talk about that one a little bit, the socio-technical systems. Yeah. One of the interesting things, I think, especially talking with J. Paul Reed, is that now that he's now that he's at Netflix, like, especially at the beginning of all the pandemic stuff, like everybody was really really relying on Netflix as, you know, an escape from everything that was going on. And that was the water cooler discussion. And at my previous job, we did a meet your team, but we did a like a lip sync to Eye of the Tiger with Tiger King, like the whole thing that just sort of emerges from from all that. And like, for the consumer, you kind of forget that there's an, an entire like army of people behind the scenes there, running all the systems, keeping everything going. And and like they're they're getting fatigued. Like Jay Paul talked about opening an incident for for COVID, and they let it run for weeks before you know really embracing that this is now normal. This is not necessarily an incident in the way that you're thinking about. Something happens, you fix it, you solve it, you talk about it, and it's done. And everything sort of continues to catch up on us, I think, with, with everything that's still going on. And that's, that's been interesting across, I think, everybody that we've really talked to is like the whole part of the year like, has just changed so many things for so many people, teams that were probably never going to go remote, companies that didn't even consider having remote employees were suddenly like figuring out, oh my gosh, we need to beef up the VPN. We need to figure out the conference calling. We had to put all these additional components together and really leaning on their technical staff to do that. And I think it put a lot of pressure on a lot of folks and it's a struggle all around. And it's a once in a lifetime chance to reinvent what you're doing and changing everything around. But at the same time, like your off camera life, kind of your off zoom life is, is a wild mess for a lot of people. So the, the difference in the stress and how people interact with all the social technical systems and and all that stuff is, is really a different kind of burden on a lot of folks. Well, and that goes into something Quinn was talking about the other day about how like the type of work has changed because not all work converts to remote. Well, do you want to tell us more about that? It was a fun conversation. Sure. So I was thinking about it primarily in the DevRel context, because that's what was bringing up the conversation. But when we think about it, at least in our industry, developer advocacy, evangelism, et cetera, we talk a lot about how we used to talk to y'all, right? In the faces, in the hallway track, that kind of doesn't really exist anymore. And just these other very high social engagements. And some of that translates to virtual in the sense that we spin up a Zoom and we can see your faces sort of. But some of it really doesn't, right? When you think about, you know, trying to do a replacement, like when you have a recipe and you need to do substitutions or you're doing gluten-free baking instead of regular or whatever, some things translate. And when we're translating this work, some of the work just doesn't pivot and you have to redefine what it actually even means. So sticking to the example I already gave with events, you know, you can broadcast and live stream a conference. You cannot easily, yeah, I'm going to say it like that. You cannot easily <laughs> recreate any sort of bond between the participants of that live stream. You can create chats. You can do, you know, I'm just going to call out DevOps Day Chicago. They did a really good job at like really getting very close because of the way that they had their firesides, the way that they did their videos, the way that they put their Q&A sessions 
right after the speaker sessions and things like that. They did a really good job at getting really close. But in general, you're going to have a hard time getting participants to engage because realistically, at an on-prem conference, you're at the conference attending the conference. You might be responding to, you know, a notification or an outage, right, if that's your day job. But realistically, you're there, right? Whereas now, we might be streaming a conference, especially if you work solo like I do. You might be streaming a conference in the background, right? It's your secondary concern to kind of take up the void of being in your own house, apartment, whatever your situation is. And so compensating for that and getting your attention doesn't translate well. Um, Certain roles don't translate very well either because especially, again, these high social engagement roles, we don't respond well to digital noise. And so when you start to transfer in-person sales, marketing, et cetera, when you start to transfer in-person conversations to digital, the brain does start to say, this is noisy and it starts to filter it out. It's harder to get your attention. The perception as a, as a user, when you get the more spammy emails and whatever is spammy, right? It doesn't feel like, Hey, I'm trying to gently get your attention for a conversation. It feels very pushy almost because now you're competing with everyone else who's doing the same thing. And it's just, it's really hard to start to, to make that pivot. And also because everything is switching to exactly one or two ways of doing, we're all kind of sick of it, right? Raise your hands if you're listening to this podcast and you want to attend a Zoom right now. Anyone? I don't have to see you. I know we're, we're recording. I don't have to see you. I know that there's easily half of you are that are just done, right? And so in that sense, things don't translate well either. Because even if you can get it to do a direct translation, people don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've seen that too with a lot of the conversations we've been having just around incident response, right? Why it's actually important to have a framework nowadays because everybody can't get in the conference room. I mean, we had a conference room in the San Francisco office where people could get together for those, those in that war room. And that's not there anymore. And another thing I think that we're seeing nationwide is that people are scattering. They now have the ability to move somewhere else, like, I don't know, say Idaho, where a lot of people seem to be moving because they're not stuck in cities that might be very expensive or they're moving closer to family. So I think that we have been hearing a lot about the importance of just having some frameworks in place, especially when communicating across incidents um, and that response process. So I know that I feel like I spent a lot of 2020 talking to people about incident response and why it's an important process. I'm going to throw a little little cog out here, but uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room, productivity. I feel like at the beginning of this whole, everybody's working from home, I feel like I was like super 150%, 175% productive. And now it's months later. And keeping those productivity levels up seems to be uh, a little bit more more taxing. And I know that uh, we had the the benefit of hearing from um, someone over at the New York Stock Exchange. It, but she did mention that productivity is is dropping in organizations. And I'm curious you know, if you all are kind of hearing that same thing, or if you're just feeling the the weight of working at home. Quinn, what do you think? I agree 100, percent and it all has to do, or mostly has to do, with how, what your stress response is, right? So people who work really well in isolation are probably killing it right now. They're the ones that are like, why didn't you start your fifth Kickstarter (laughs) startup business? And we hate them a little because they're a small percentage of the population, right? And then the rest of us are like, 
the days bleed together. And it's like you spend more time investing in getting the project done for not the same level of output because your days are your evenings and your whole life is kind of bleeding together in this like pool as opposed to having, you know, separated this is work focus time or meeting time or whatever it is. And then this is home time and this is family time if that's something that's happening for you and so forth. Like things used to have, you know, boundaries. They were bounded by geography, bounded by time. And now they're just not. Like sometimes I'll get inspiration for an idea late at night and I'll just be like, I wasn't so productive today. So I guess maybe I should do it anyway. And I'm like, oh, ah, right? Because <laughs> it doesn't feel great when you feel your productivity dropping and you don't have good compensation either. I don't know what Scott and Mandy, what you think of this, but like when I was working from home prior to the pandemic, when it was normal, I would just socialize after because you could go see friends and not be afraid of getting them sick or their kids sick. Because I have friends with little kids that I play with that I don't anymore <laughs> um, that I try to Zoom with, but they're five and three, like, right? <laughs> They don't really understand what's going on. But I don't know. What do you all think about not being able to offload, Mandy? Yeah, I think I've worked remote or partially remote for a long time. And it is different now, right? Like, it was one thing at the at the sort of the beginning of, of all this. Everybody's sort of learning how to to adjust to all, to all remote and and uh, figuring out all their their things and what's most comfortable and and buying new furniture for their home office or whatever they were doing. But I think the hardest thing has been as it continues, is it Monday? Is it Thursday? Does it matter? Like everything just kind of runs together. And like, there's no longer any punctuation to time. There's no era there. There's no capstone to a week. I've been struggling with like giving myself like some kind of weekly things that I do just to mark time because otherwise I don't know. Like I, I live here by myself. I don't get to see my parents as they're several hundred miles away in another state and I'm not traveling or going anywhere or doing anything. So like I've started creating these little rituals for myself so that I know that today is Wednesday and I'm going to do X, Y, or Z just to know what day it is. And then for work stuff, like I've definitely fallen back into using Pomodoro, like that kind of technique, making myself work for 35, 45 minutes of it for an hour of an hour. And then like taking a break and like wandering around the house a little bit and then coming back to it, like just work to the timer to give myself like intentional focus because like, it's not just the pandemic. It's like everything else. And like doom scrolling Twitter is like a full-time job. Like that is no longer a sideline. That is something that you need to be doing eight hours a day or at least. Right. So yeah, just crazy time. What about you, Julie? What are you working on? Well, vacation. Yeah. Taking vacation is so hard, right? Uh, because you've got vacation and you want to take it, but where are you going to go? I've already watched almost everything on Netflix that I feel is great, which uh, just to go back to one of the things Jay Paul Reed said is if you are looking for a series to come back or a season two, please tweet at him and we will personally make sure that happens. He did kind of make some promises in our episode, Mandy. He did. But vacation. So it's really hard. And at Pager Duty, they're really, really good about, are you taking vacation? Are you taking vacation? I'm trying to do things like take an extra day on make a long weekend because at least it, it breaks it up a little when there's nowhere to go, because I've started doing a lot of crafts 
but that's adding up in cost. Uh, if I take a lot of time off of work and then I end up with a lot of half done crafts, uh, I oftentimes post the things I'm working on, on, on Twitter. They're awesome, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> One of the things though, <laughs> that I've noticed, and Scott, I'm going to call you out just from a little bit of calendar stocking because I see you've got something on your calendar now. I see you doing something really cool, which is taking some planned time out during the day to do things with your your family. And I did stock your calendar a little bit, and I think you have a bike ride coming up today. And I love that. It's it's one of the things, to, to continue on what we've been saying here, uh, is that I need to be deliberate with things, with breaks, with times with my kids, because if I'm not, everything blends together. Everything like even as Mandy was talking, I had to check the date at the top of my screen to be like, what day is today? Oh, it's a, it's a Tuesday. Yeah. All right. Got it. <sighs> couldn't have, couldn't have told you otherwise. And I've learned that by being deliberate, I also need to be deliberate with the things that are important to me. I mean, my job is important to me, but my kids and my family are as well. And so they, it's not like they chose to be in a pandemic. It's not like they chose to be at home online at a screen all day, just like dad is. And so trying to find opportunities to mix things up, having the weekly rituals. Uh, we try to do a, a bike ride every week if we can. Uh, we're outside Seattle. So the, the weather usually lets us do it as long as you don't mind riding in the rain. I mean, let's be honest, none of us melt in the rain. So get a rain jacket and go out in it. I mean, it's really how most of Seattle takes it. But uh, so yeah, I, I, I think just being deliberate about taking our breaks, understanding that during the day, you're gonna need some time to get up and walk around the house and to, you know, look out the window and not really think about anything for a second. Because sometimes that's just what I need to do. Uh, sometimes I just need to walk around the block by myself, or with my wife or with one of my kids or something. But be deliberate about that because if you don't, you burn out fast. And I think with this, with the productivity, with my productivity, when I look at myself, I think that's what's happening is that it's this stressful situation that doesn't have a defined end. And so it just keeps going. And, you know, we garner up all the energy to, to do our best in the, a short amount of time. And then we just start losing steam. And so then we got to stop, put it down, take a break, walk away go for a mountain bike ride in the middle of the day, uh, but then come back and be rejuvenated and just be patient, be patient with yourself. I've had to learn to be more patient with myself with my various uh, output levels and things of that nature. So yeah, just be more deliberate is is kind of the, the lesson I've been learning this year. Scott, I think that uh, is probably the lesson that uh, we could leave everybody with. Be deliberate, have empathy, Take some time for yourself, everything that we've all talked about today. And so for those of you out there listening, hopefully we can all pretend that we're going to wrap 2020 and 2021. January 1st is going to bring in all new amazing things. And let's keep that hope. Let's also keep washing our hands and wearing masks and trying to treat each other with empathy and understanding and being deliberate with what we do. Don't forget to join us at community.pagerduty.com where we can continue the conversation. We love chatting with people in there. You don't have to be a PagerDuty customer to be in there. Join us in the community. Keep up these conversations. And with that, I really want to thank everybody for joining us today.
This has been a lot of fun, Julie. Thanks a lot. And uh, this is Scott McAllister. And Quintessen Socks. And Mandy Walls. And Julie Gunderson. And we're wishing you an uneventful 2021. That does it for another installment of Page It to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pageittothelimit.com. And you can reach us on Twitter at pageittothelimit using the number two. That's at pageittothelimit. Let us know what you think of the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, uneventful days are beautiful days. <laughs>